Welcome to the Resilience Rising podcast with me, your host, Jen Scottney. With the help of my guests, we will be getting curious about what resilience is, how we develop it and why we need it. This podcast is here to explore all things resilience. My guest today is Ruth Allen. She describes herself as a movement-orientated psychotherapist specialising in outdoor practice, a former geologist, she's got a PhD in that, a facilitator and mentor and an author. Ruth's most recent book, which is um, celebrating its second <laughs> birthday around now, is called Grounded. And it is a beautiful book filled with words and pictures that show us how a connection with nature can improve our mental and physical well-being. Snippets on a so- social media suggest a second book is in the pipeline, so I might try and tease some information out of her about that as we go along. Ruth is based near me in the Peak District, and today she joins me to chat all things resilience. Welcome to the podcast, Ruth. Thank you, Jen. Very excited. And don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> well, I don't know what I'm going to ask, so we're fine. We'll just roll with it. Awesome. This is the whole vibe of therapy, so I'm quite confident with this. I used to hate kind of impromptu stuff, and now I'm like, that's fine. That's just my daily life now, so it's good. Yes, definitely. I've dropped the control as well, which is, um, yeah, so this is quite different to how I was as a lawyer. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe there's something about resilience in there that we could, a seam we could mine, perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) So resilience, ah, what does that mean to you? Oh, yeah, I've been trying to sort of just hold space for this topic over the last couple of weeks. And I have gone kind of around the houses with what I think resilience is. And I think in a way, I'm just going to, you know, ask the listener to bear with me and you, because I think in a way there's going to be a sense of finding our way into that answer or thinking through it. But I I got really interested in how this idea of resilience has become like a preemptive thing that we can prepare for and that we can um, sort of uh, build within us as as a preemptive action against things happening. But when I actually thought about resilience and where the derivation of the word came from um that's the author in me I guess there's this idea of rebound or uh, going back to original shape after compression so it was something that like came after but these days we often see it as something that we kind of we want to get in on before like life gets us and I think that says something quite interesting about um our cultural fear of maybe pain and suffering and sadness and difficulty that if we just get in on it early and like prepare our minds and bodies that we'll be able to stop catch things in the past and I think that probably we can probably say more about that but I feel like that feeds into a general um cultural milieu obsessed with maybe fitness and exercise and going and getting fit and and you know sort of preparing yourself for the fight in a way and this didn't used to exist of course people had jobs they didn't sit at desks they were out working the land and they just were fit and healthy and they probably didn't think about things like building resilience so I guess what I'm saying is we think of it as something we can prepare for I'm more inclined to think of it as something that is like an output that's like a um, a state of being that can shift and change but that it comes after 
the event and it comes after as a pro as a sort of an output of the life we're living and have lived yeah <laughs> that's fascinating that's but also I guess I mean just calling on your work as a therapist I suppose a lot of the people that come to you something has happened they're kind of dealing with something to bring them to therapy and then um do you think that's influenced how you feel about it but then I suppose you do work with coaching and maybe that is about building resilience beforehand or there's more of a focus on that yeah I I don't know I think resilience is very subjective and few few things in this world are absolute are they and 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 we all have our own um sort of starting ability and our own benchmark and I suppose what therapy has shown me is that I think there is such thing as a predisposition to resilience that maybe tracks really early back into our attachment experiences our childhood experiences you know the word privilege is banded around quite a lot these days but I think there's something about the the privilege if you want to call it that of safe and secure attachment and if you're brought up in the world and have had a family experience that has kind of helped you feel very secure and confident and capable then you're more likely to have a sort of a naturally resilient disposition I suppose you could also call it capacity and we can come back to that some quite interesting capacity perhaps as a different sort of word but of course some people don't have that and so I think there's something about the link with resilience to trauma that I've definitely seen through therapy that we can't assume that everyone starts in the same place or that just by you know making them do certain things or think in a certain way, they will they will be able to get there because if they have a, a background of trauma, if they've had difficulty, if they've had diff- insecure attachments, then these things are harder. So I and I think we often forget that. So I think it has affected it from that side of things. And I just yeah, I just see that life happens and you can't stop life happening. And however much you prepare life happens and that's not just therapy I've seen it in my own life you know you can put all the work in you can um you know stay have loads of rituals and practices that keep you very grounded and also talk about that in grounded book um but you can't stop tragedies happening and you can't stop as you know sort of accidents or injuries and you can't prepare for that and so I think we can get a bit obsessed but culturally obsessed with like if I just again if, we, if I just preempt it and prepare then it will be okay, but we can't. We it, it, we find out who we are and what we've got and what we're capable of and our kind of innate resilience when things happen, and we go from there. I almost think that that's the starting point. <laughs> not to say that we not to say that we can't cultivate certain attitudes and mindsets, uh, but is right. that the same? Uh, yeah, and I think we we can, can't we? I think maybe it come onto that. Well, yeah, I th- I hope we can. <laughs> or else it's kind of like it feels like it's almost out of our hands I don't know but then am I part of that society that quite likes the idea that I can do this work and make life slightly easier for myself so maybe I'm like hoping Mm. we can do stuff I mean we all want that don't we and we all (laughs) prepare for that but I suppose what I'm sort of suggesting I I think is that we can't entirely know how we'll act if we get made redundant or a loved one dies like we can do that kind of work of being quite calm and and kind of quite yeah what we say like whatever that looks like in preparing for resilience 
but we can't kind of ensure it. But I do think there is something about how can we put ourselves in the way of certain experiences and cultivate an attitude of openness to doing things that maybe push us, encourage us to take risks in our everyday lives, um, things where we have an opportunity to go, oh, I could, I did better than I thought there, or I surpassed myself, or I, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I performed better than I thought I might. And I think those are the kind of ways that we find, actually, I can cope, I have got ability, I have got capacity. Mm. You mentioned this in um, Grounded, and I think it came under kind of living adventurously, that mm. kind of getting out. I suppose I'm thinking of kind of trips into the mountains and things when I say the word adventurously, but it'll be different for other people. But just coming, yeah, putting yourself where there is that element of risk, that element of unknown. And I guess I felt it in some of the ultramarathons as well, that kind of not not knowing what you had to call on until you needed it. Yeah, that's that's it, isn't it? That's really putting yourself in the way of um, life experiences. You're kind of increasing the likelihood that you're going to be tested and you're going into it with that open and cu- openness and curiosity to think, how's this going to go? And I don't know. And I, I think that is really important. I guess that's linked to things like peak experiences and how, you know, and outward bound and out uh, sort of working with young people outdoors, all of these sorts of outdoors things. And we both love the outdoors and work outdoors. They kind of, yeah, they open up the possibility that you're going to have a type of experience that's going to blow your mind a little bit. (laughs) There is that, but I think I've also felt the same just by starting a new job, like moving to a different Mm. place and having that sense of, I'm not really sure what, what it holds. And for me, I'm painfully shy and introverted. So just going to a new office with loads of new people, I find quite overwhelming sometimes. So Mm. that's also for me, I'd put that under my living adventurously. Like it's not, all about mountains necessarily absolutely yeah I think that that taps on something I really is very important and dear to me if if there was a question around how do I think if I have resilience where has it come from and I think there's something about um yeah showing up in different ways in different areas of your life and I think there's something very interesting about if you change careers or you're sort of multidisciplinary and how we learn to sort of um, thrive, survive and thrive and flourish in different environments. We might know something really well and, and then you go into something new and it's really scary and you've kind of got to learn it again and you've got to find yourself. And so I think there's something about how that ability to change um, and start afresh that is really generative of, a, of, a, of those feelings of I can do this, which I, and I think I can do this. I can come back from this. I can rebound. These are all resilient statements, aren't they, in a way? Mm. And you've had, I mean, I touched a bit on the intro and I suppose I know a little bit more background because I've been following you for a while, stalking you for a while, um, about how you kind of had this career in geology and academia, I think, and then move. Like, um, how did that evolve your interests and career and coming to where you are today? Yeah, it's it's much easier to look back and see the threads. And I don't know sense sense of like things make sense um now further down the line like almost a 
decade <laughs> later. Um, I think, you know, and I, I can look at it now and be like, oh, it's just all happened kind of fairly organically and intuitively. But at the time, it was always in response to something isn't right here. Something isn't working anymore. I'm unhappy. When I left um, sort of the geological world, there was there was lots of factors going on and I just didn't see how this was going to be relevant for my future. I didn't want to move to the areas I might have to to continue my fairly niche area of, of study um, and research. And so there was a kind of a sense of this isn't right and I don't know what to do. Then I moved into higher education and was in that for another sort of 10 years. And again, just started to be really unhappy and just feel I'm just living out of alignment and um which is a fa- fairly highfalutin statement isn't it? out of alignment but in reality that was crying in the toilets and <laughs> feeling very depressed having a sort of wild road rage having to go in in the morning feeling very like not being able to tolerate sitting in long traffic jams and just I was just a very edgy person and just unhappy all the time and, and just not knowing what was going on and so having to go through a lot of soul searching um you know and then there were losses in our family and some big traumas and grief and I guess all of these life events they just keep rolling you on don't they you're like the rock that's just gathering more moss (laughs) and 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 you know found my way into some where I am now which is this kind of hybrid thing in a way of trying to bring back the threads of geology that I really loved the aspects that I felt you know were shameful or set me apart at the time that now I think no actually that's I'm bringing that back (laughs) and also I don't want to you know I don't want to be looking down a microscope I want to work with people and I want to I'm really curious about how people work and how they live um and so I'm going to get that thread and so there was a sort of deep creativity in it I suppose but at the time it felt a bit like thrashing around (laughs) I'm glad I'm glad that it, <laughs> a story I tell myself is that everybody else has it all figured out and I'm the one thrashing around not quite sure yeah. where I'm going. <laughs> no absolutely so much thrashing around and so much kind of anguish and feeling I you know and maybe this links to the resilience like feeling on your own and feeling embattled to some degree it's like nobody you know everyone else seems happy and fine in their work why can't I just stick this out why can't I just do something and you know take the paycheck (laughs) and go home and live my life and but just not being able to and feeling very lonely and isolated in that I think and then feeling like and now I'm trying to get all weave these threads back together but it doesn't make any sense and there's no word for what this is and and yeah and so I think that can be quite isolating and so I suppose in those moments you have to call on that inner reserve don't your capacity to just like just stay with it just do it and lean on the people that do get it (laughs) and your partner or your you know your dog or your friends and um yeah find just keep just keep sort of finding your way through and taking one step at a time and I suppose that that in itself builds that sense of resilience as well. And that's the adventure, isn't it, that we're talking about. It's, it's not easy to make such big changes, but sometimes your back's against the wall and you have to. It's that or your emotional survival. Mm. And do you find that people are coming to you as a therapist in kind of similar situations with similar feelings? 
Um, I think so. Yeah, I, I think I do see that. Um, I think my therapy practice changes and it changes more with something else that's going on on like a social cultural level so I kind of dip in and out and see different patterns and sometimes that's related to some perhaps resonance they'll feel in my journey or a broad sense of oh okay you work outside and I'm really interested in that but sometimes you get themes like um maybe the menopause transition with menopause and and suddenly there's there's kind of lots of people working through that um, so it kind of comes in themes that might be related to me <laughs> or might not. Um, but I think there is, yeah, I think there's the main, uh, one thing that people often say, and I put this in grounded is, you know, you seem quite calm <laughs> and steady. <laughs> and maybe I could do with a bit of that because I'm, yeah, doing that kind of thrashing around thing. And I don't know where I'm at in life. And I think, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not always, but I suppose I am trying, that is something I'm trying to cultivate in my life as a kind of a calm quietness, which intersects nicely with my introversion because I'm also introverted like you. So, <laughs> and I think maybe there's something in there. Okay, well, you know, you, you let's help me sort of think through how to um, weather this life that's mine, that's unfolding and that I'm trying to find my way through. And just going to your book, grounded I mean I, I love it absolutely love it it's kind of practical but reflective and yeah well you're a wonderful writer um how did that come about I wondered if it was kind of years in the making in your head before you actually got it out <laughs> I think I'm some things are really years in the making aren't they they're sort of dreams that I have and some work I'm doing at the moment feels like it's been genuinely years in the making and then some things I feel like they just arrived (laughs) in a like a meteorite or something (laughs) and it was I was at a running I was at the um uh I was at uh, I've forgotten the name of the running festival trails (laughs) anyway I was at the running festival in 2019 and I was giving a talk um about some bits and pieces. I can't even remember the details now, but somebody in the audience who was a runner and a commissioning editor for a publisher um, came up to me at the end and said, oh, I I really love what you're talking about. And uh, have you thought about writing a book? Which was like, you know, I'm doing kind of mouth drop open. (laughs) Um, Like, you know, I'm always thinking I'd love to do a book, but it goes in and out of um, focus and, you know, just getting through trying to build work and build my practice. So it wasn't at the forefront of my mind at the time. Um, but yeah, she she was like, we're really interested in working with you. And what, you know, what, what would you want to write about? And Grounded sort of is this really strange book in that it fell out of my head almost complete. And that is not the experience I'm having <laughs> writing the book I'm doing now. But there was like, this is what I mean by it's like a meteorite out of space. It's, like, it's not a complicated book. It's a companionable book. Hopefully, it's kind. I, hopefully, it's supportive. Um, and it just—I sort of just sat down. I was like, right, and wrote it. And the sections came out, and the themes. So I think I'd been working over the themes for a long time, and it just sort of captured it and is like right that that's it that's done 
and it only had a relatively light edit in it. Yeah, it's just this strange little animal that <laughs> arrived and and was really um, just felt really complete from the get go. And when it came out, was that during the pandemic? Is that good timing or bad timing? Because it feels like <laughs> it was terrible timing. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I thought actually this is exactly what we needed when we're all yeah, just restricted. I think it was and... good timing in terms of the content, <laughs> I think, but it was terrible timing. In it was commissioned in 2019. I wrote it fairly quickly. I submitted the manuscript, I think, around um, February, uh, February, March 2020. So it was, you know, within the weeks of, of um, the pandemic being announced, really <laughs> announced the pandemic <laughs> arriving into our lives. Um, and, and then it was published in 2021. So I think, you know, it, it started in this kind of hopeful time and we were going to do a spring release. Um, and you know, as the as as the world is coming back to life, and we were coming out of winter, and it in, arrived in a different context, and there were lots of difficulties. I mean, the publisher for a start collapsed. The one that I'd chosen, the editor, and you know, taking my editor with it, who went off and did a different job altogether, um, and we got on really well. And so, all of that kind of choice and agency I'd had, and that was the, the person that commissioned it from the outset. It went to a different publisher. And it felt like a much more anonymous process. And I didn't feel like there was a sense of really understanding the book. Luckily, it came to um, it was pretty near completion, but wasn't necessarily something that they the type of thing they had on their books. I think it's okay to probably say this. (laughs) So it didn't feel as if it was given the elevation. And it felt like a lot of that fell to me and to push and to say, you know, where is this going? What's happening? And of course, the book fairs all kind of flattened out. So when it would have gone and had, um, you know, hopefully had interest from international markets, then a lot of that fell flat. But, you know, despite that, it's had um, various translations, and it's done well in kind of Australia and US, and it's got a Dutch edition and a German edition, so it's and a French edition. So, you know, it's not, it's not done badly, either. But it was, you know, it'd be, I think it would be different now when you could just, you know, enjoy it and get it out there and and be out there with it a little bit more. There was none of the kind of launches or signings or anything. Oh, I mean, again, like, I suppose we just see the finished article and I just assumed it was a success and ex- went very smoothly and exactly how it should have been. So I'm obviously doing something wrong, aren't I, on my social media channel, so make it seem <laughs> as if things are just smooth. Yeah. <laughs> but when I, I did revisit Grounded um, before we spoke, and I suppose what I, I mean, resilience does come up as a kind of word in there, although it's not the theme of the book. But I did, when you were talking about these kind of preemptive actions that we're taking against things happening, and I know it's not really going to prevent anything happening. But in terms of making us the strongest, grounded, (laughs) kind of steady, I feel like there's a lot in Grounded in the book that makes me feel like I'm doing my best to be preemptive about weathering the change or the storms or the traumas that happen. I mean, was that not really you don't really think that that is part of the practice of grounded or it seemed a bit more skeptical that we could do this (laughs) no I do I'm not skeptical um I mean I definitely caveated this podcast and I was saying (laughs) 
<laughs> I would be talking myself into where I think I land with resilience. I think there's just something from, I, perhaps I'm just talking about, and this comes up in the mystery chapter, it's like holding space for the unknown, for the things we can't prepare for. And if we start to obsess over and become anxious about not being resilient enough or not being enough of anything, not just resilient, just not being, you know, um, healthy enough or, or fit enough or, you know, out in the world enough or, you know, nice enough. <laughs> if we put so much attention to those, we end up kind of, I don't know, in service to like an endless quest for betterment. And I think that can be unhealthy. And that's the shadow side of therapy, I think, in that we don't always have to be on with the spiritual projects of self-improvement. We are enough. So I, I guess what I'm saying is there's something about holding the, the, these multiple truths. There's like, we can't entirely prepare. We are enough. And at the same time, it's also true that we can cultivate perhaps certain outlooks, behaviours, practices, rituals that sort of maximise our chances <laughs> of weathering the life that comes to us unexpectedly and that helps us craft the life that we want so does that make sense a sort of a both and <laughs> yeah it does and I suppose one of the focuses that I picked up from Grounded was that kind of coming back it's not something that we need to add to it's something that we maybe lost or haven't made time for and we're coming back mm. to that which I suppose gives me a little bit more of that reassurance that I'm enough I just sometimes yeah. have got a bit distracted and can't see it that's a yeah that's a really nice catch I think and I think that in a way that takes us back to that earlier point where I was mulling over this idea of rebound or going back to some kind of original shape I mean I don't think that you know life happens and we don't go back to an original shape I think everything reshapes us and there's something very beautiful in the evolving of our um of ourself, our body, our mind, our way of being in the world that kind of is constantly shape-shifting. But I think that's what you're saying there. It captures something about, um, yeah, it is a coming back. It is a rebounding of sorts. That resilience is a returning to something perhaps that we have the innate capacity for to, to varying degrees, to coming back to a calm, quieter, sort of flexible, um, well-regulated um way of being in the world and that we don't yeah we don't have to strive wildly beyond us for new things that we don't have we can just sort of keep coming back keep coming back to our relationship with nature keep coming back to our ability to um, hold mystery and ambiguity about life come back to um, a sort of a peacefulness and stillness come back to movement come back to these kind of generative states come back to solitude where we can find a sense of that quiet and still space so yeah I think you're really right there's a lot of coming back mm. returning to and you mentioned the movement there I mean that was one thing that we haven't talked about yet but you kind of offer some movement classes what sort of movement is that and how does that fit in with the rest of your work <laughs> <laughs> how does any of it fit Jen? It's, um, it's well it all just comes of... back to you and your <laughs> my crazy crazy ideas um, yeah I mean I love to experiment I love to 
you know, try things on myself, essentially. <laughs> and then if I'm like, oh, that's quite curious, then I will try and roll it out. And some of these things are like, you know, not a success. And they will, I will talk about them. And then you will see that they never get mentioned again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're probably things... talking a commercial success rather than they, they would have some success. Well, I don't know. Some things I just think, <laughs> no, no one got that. That was weird. <laughs> that was just, you know, I wasn't feeling that either. Um but I'm quite open to trying. But yeah, the animal movement classes, they're really based around um, tapping into more authentic movement, creative expression. And I've designed them online so that they to be run online so that they're going to appeal, hopefully, and they have appealed to people that wouldn't maybe go to a class to do creative movement. Like what is authentic movement? What is creative movement? <laughs> you know, we could unpack that. Um, but, you know, maybe we're quite used to things like yoga pilates um you know tai chi different dance classes you know ballet or salsa or whatever so and all of these have a sense of maybe technique or asanas or um a sort of a protocol to go through and you can weave that into a different sort of choreography or a movement pattern whereas these are about connecting you with your innate impulse to move and that could be really small it could be just swaying it could be big moves and big shapes and kind of <laughs> it, it's just about starting a new conversation with your body and I've, I've built them around this idea of, of animals and I love animals I've always loved animals returning to animals is like playing with my five-year-old self <laughs> so I really wanted I'm on this big journey I think of just going back to things that I always knew I loved but always felt like I couldn't bring into my adult life um, because maybe it's a bit shameful or a bit silly. So they draw on that and we have a different one every month and then broadly chosen around sort of British wildlife. And then we, we get into them as a sort of um, almost a spirit guide or very the physicality of different animals. So we might work with, um, we might be interested about animals with curious features or particularly strong haunches or back legs so with the focus of the month might be around getting into our legs or it might be that we think about owls with like how they have asymmetric ears and that are like listening in all directions so we might tap into something more about the parts of our body we're listening to and listening in all directions um in our lives so that kind of touches on metaphorical a bit spiritual it's you know a bit woo but my kind of woo that's also quite <laughs> about the level of woo that I can take in my own life is what I try and offer <laughs> out <laughs> so yeah they're, they're experimental but they seem to have um you know if you love them you love them and it, there's lots of people I've never seen again you know there's kind of I think there's been something like 280 bookings over the year so they get really well attended each class 100 of those might come to one and I'll not see them ever again well they're, off li gonna... they're living in the forest as an owl yeah, exactly. they could be living in the forest they could be just out there going what the heck was that? <laughs> but then there are people that really do seem to get it and and I love that because it feel, I used to be really scared of, of you know oh but what if everybody doesn't love it and you know please everyone and now I'm just like it's fine you're not going to please everyone and Again, that's probably something about resilience in there. It's like it's 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 safe for people not to like you or get you in this world. It's safe enough for, for that to be true. Um, you only have to reach the people that do 
and are looking for for something different or maybe see something that they like and like run with those people yeah (laughs) like maybe literally run with those people (laughs) Um, or move like an otter with those people because it's it's going to be wild and rich and, and and fun and one thing that strikes me when you were describing your movement class is it seems unlikely that you could make that competitive or that you would have any measure of how well you're doing and I one thing that I get because I'm a yoga teacher is people saying oh, I'm not I'm not good at yoga <laughs> like, mm. like or you know we tell people to get outside and then like I say oh you know think about how simple running is but actually we can make that really complicated we're getting heart rate data we're getting all these stats yeah. <laughs> what was your cadence you know and it, it just feels like we're kind of losing that real just the basic movement of it Mm. do you find that or am I just being cynical that we've got a bit uber competitive with with everything walking I see it with hiking like we've got to tick off this got to do this smash this (laughs) yeah no I mean I think yeah this is not you know it's not cynical and it's not paranoid is it it's I think we absolutely we can turn everything into a a competition and I know you know from the other podcasts because I've listened to all of them and soaked them all up there's a kind of you know everyone will have their moment on your podcast around a capitalist rant so <laughs> I, I probably don't need to like repeat this but there is definitely layers here of you know patriarchy that serves no one women or men um, capitalism the kind of competition and hierarchy over kind of collaboration and Um, collegiality and community and love and support and so yeah I think we have to feel that we constantly have to be better and it's sad isn't it when it shows up in things like yoga I'm not good enough at this and yeah I do see it and I caveat every class or I think caveat it I set it up saying this isn't you know you're not gonna be the best the best (laughs) otter yeah exactly you're not gonna be the best blackbird well maybe you are but we cameras off as well so we do that deliberately to build confidence and not feel observed in the tap and so the cameras go off at the beginning we come back on the end to sort of join each other and say bye and stuff so I think hopefully that sends this sort of message of it, this is about how it feels and how it can feel good to move in your body and I think it's interesting because I think there is this <clears throat> endless propulsion to kind of be the best, be competitive, um, and we can really flog ourselves with that. And there is this counter-narrative. There's no reclaim movement. I talk about that in Grounded. And no, just be in your body for the feeling of it. Enjoy it. And there's lots of stuff now about joy and rest um, that's probably come a lot from sort of the line of black feminism. And I think that that's interesting because they don't always sit together very well or we want that, like I want that but I'm still really, I've still really internalized <laughs> an idea that I have to be the best. And we're, we're all, we all get it, don't we? I mean, I've got, mm. I've got like a Garmin and I love my stats watch, but I can see myself sometimes I'll be like, I'm halfway through a walk or a run and I've forgotten my watch. And I'll be like, shall I go home and get it? So that I can Does go it count? The steps <laughs> <on> the run. <laughs> and then, if I finish the run and I haven't done my watch, it will haunt me. And I'll be like, it's really annoying that I can't put it in the app. I can't add on the extra things. And so I kind of, I can see myself. I can get really entranced by like the gamification of these sort of things. And so I have to be quite careful and mindful and watch myself so that I don't fall into those 
bold patterns that I don't in the present awareness <laughs> want to subscribe to. I find that having my dog has really helped as a kind of spiritual guide in that we go for walks. I don't record them. It doesn't matter where we end up. We stop and he sniffs, <laughs> you know, like that's <laughs> actually been a really good practice for me in terms of yeah. that kind of mindful walking. Well, that's it. Animals show us so much, don't they, about a better way to be in the present to sort of just enjoy the sniffs, <laughs> <laughs> to go just to set a different sort of pace. And I feel like when I'm with sort of toddlers and children, they have that similar, you know, you just feel ridiculous for like rushing on a walk. Like, why? Why does it matter that we do yeah. the prescribed, we're going to go here when they want to yeah. stop and look at the leaves and get distracted? Absolutely. We go to that default, don't we? And I think probably a lot of us, you know, we might be trying to change our minds and our practices and our work reflects that, but we're still all equally culpable of being pulled into our defaults. And, <laughs> and I, I'm just thinking on that and just moving to your social media channels, which they're beautiful, but I just wondered how much you kind of plan them, how much you love social media, <laughs> because again, it feels like it's playing a lot to that competitive side sometimes, or that maybe not competitive all the time, but that kind of curated perfection or aiming for perfection mm. I mean do you spend a lot of time on social media do you see it as a business tool do you step back how much do you put yourself out there um I think I have been been doing it for a long I mean I joined Instagram so that's my main platform in 2013 so I guess that's been 10 years and I think it I've been through different you know phases with it and still do cycle through although I seem to have arrived at a steadier place and it's gone from being personal to being one kind of a focus more on my creative work so it's kind of evolved with me and I think that's done two things in a way I've like I've been through all of the anxiety and um, seen all the changes with algorithms and stuff and kind of gone through the mill of being a bit obsessed with it and then having big breaks from it and I've arrived in a place where I think it's my, it's a business tool it's a work tool it's an opportunity to show my work um it's not a place where I by and large are showing what I eat um I don't it, it's one of those where it, I think it does it is an honest portrayal of me and the life I live um but it, that's not the same as it being completely transparent and open so I don't often share family stuff um personal kind of relation stuff that is for me that's sort of inside my house <laughs> with my people that's something that I keep private so I think there is a sense that it does show lots of me in terms of the time I put in I think another function of that being on it a long time is that I just have my these are the things I post this is the kind of style and so I don't have to give much thought to it and that I don't think about it an awful lot and I go through you know I won't post anything for a week or two and then I'll have a flurry and I'll do lots of stories and then nothing and that just suits my in and out nature um so yeah I mean I I think you're right to sort of um you know sort of pull me up if you want on that idea that maybe you know it does play into that kind of um culture of competition or curation and I have wrestled with that a lot over the years. It's like, I don't like this. I don't really like what social media stands for a lot of the time. And it's a good connector and people, you know, find your work, find your books there. That's kind of where people are. So can I leave? 
and then I've tried to leave and then I'm like I can't really um and so I've, I, I I don't have a kind of a fixed answer or I'm kind of aware that I probably embody various hypocrisies around it it's like I'm trying my best to make it a kind of a, a nice kind of friendly space um but I've no doubt that it will, if people are in the mind to look at it and feel like, oh, that person's life is perfect, then they will feel that. And they, and I, it's very hard for me short of just disappearing or showing things that I'm not comfortable with sharing, like my washing or what I'm eating. <laughs> uh, then there isn't, any, there isn't any way to kind of to cross this thing. It's like, oh, I just have to say, if you, know, if you don't like it, unfollow or mute. And if you do, let's connect and try and, and and be okay with the outcomes either way. But it does it does play on my mind that we're kind of still. I, I wasn't it. trying to have a go at you. I mean, it was kind of. Oh just, no, we're, no all, <laughs> we're all the same in that. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> lots that I don't share on there, and um, yeah. But it's odd that people. Yeah, it's really hard, isn't it? It's like you try and kind of and have all these ideas and well it's probably like resilience or like anything we're trying to cultivate in ourselves it's like I've got these grand ideas and grand plans and um you know you get waylaid by the the culture or the the kind of the the demands to you know if you want your work and your ideas to be seen you have to sort of be out there with them so it's really it's really hard um but yeah, I try not to worry about it so much these days. I've gone in and out of backlashes as well. I should say that, you know, I've had people, lots of people who drop into my, I don't know whether you have this, who drop into my DMs and either have a go about something or just see something they don't like or uh, I don't know. And then sometimes kind of a, a real sort of tell me life story and kind of want therapy by DM. And sometimes that's, that's, that's really sad. It's like, okay, can we talk about this on email or let's, so there's, it's quite confronting at times as well. I'm quite like, <laughs> you know, this is not what I'm here for and don't pick on me. <laughs> yeah, I definitely probably not to the same extent. But when I had a chronic illness, and if I posted anything about that, I would get either people sharing me theirs or telling me I needed to do this, <laughs> or, you know, or asking really personal information, like medical information that I wasn't going to yeah. share. And um, yeah, yeah, well, that's kind of hard because you're like, I'm trying to be open, I'm trying to be helpful, but also I have to sort of safeguard myself in this mm. and keep and and you know sort of um honor my own sanity and mm. <laughs> and like you know and I and I don't know how I can help you because I don't even know you so mm. that kind of the therapeutic process quite an intimate one and it starts with getting to know each other so it's really hard when somebody is you know help me and or tell you something about you that they think they know and you think that you don't you misunderstood me so it, I, I mean social media it's a minefield isn't it <laughs> <laughs> I think, it's a minefield <laughs> oh yeah absolutely that's why I'm asking everybody else what the answer is because I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I mean the answer is we just all need to leave and I do notice you know when I'm off it for a while and I just rejoin my life and I always say it's like small shabby life in as much as you know I'm like sculling around the, the edges of the peak district just you know walking juice you know with a sniffy dog not doing anything remarkable and not having a very fruitful social life and you know not going on just not going out to eat anywhere exciting because we live in the countryside 
you know, I'm like, where did I even go with this tangent? But <laughs> if you want, I think when yeah. you go offline, that's it. When you go offline, it's like, oh, this is actually quite nice. And I quite like the smallness. And I quite like just mm, ferreting around by myself. And, and it can be really hard to come back. So I, if I if I want to stay on social media, I have to keep some regularity. Otherwise, there's a danger I just slip off the edge. <laughs> just keep posting the odd picture of the peaks and we'll all be fine. <laughs> Give her a photo of Juno on, she'll keep, them, keep, keep the space warm for a little while. <laughs> I mean, one of the things I think you said towards the start of Grounded was that we'd kind of lost this connection. And I think you were talking in terms of kind of with nature and the landscape, but it just, it feels such a paradox to me. We're more connected than ever to kind of each other, but it doesn't always seem to be doing us much good. <laughs> and like with the connection with the like I do see some really positive posts like I love like over the weekend so many photos of the northern lights and I just found it so like I did feel connected and I did feel connected to everybody and earth and we were all marveling (laughs) yeah but I mean it was very fleeting Fleeting as the lights themselves. I mean, I was jealous. <laughs> and then I saw the ones that were camping up in the snow in Scotland. And I was very jealous. And like, I wish I had that life. So there was a, a dark side to it as well. But yeah, yeah where, where are we with this connectedness? <laughs> yeah, good question. I, I have no idea. <laughs> um, I mean, the stats seem to show that, you know, there's been a lot of lovely work coming out of University of Derby around nature connectedness and it, it, you know, it's a bit of a depressing read Well, the last iteration about how it really reaches. We start as as babies or as, the, you know, tiny children where the veil is very thin and we with between us and nature and the mystical kind of magical world and all the possibility of things we don't know. And I think I think I'm right in saying that they say that that's almost the highest it ever is. And then we spend the rest of our lives like trying to get back there. And there's this big dip in the teenage years where teens generally really fall away from a connectedness or a relationality with nature and they're busy with, you know, each other and school and and building their sense of identity and stuff. Um, so on the one hand, it's like, okay, this isn't look very good. And we're none, maybe none of us are meeting the baseline for what that would what a level of connection with nature would um mean for having living a healthy life and having a good sense of, you know, that broader well-being and yet as you say there's lots of there's lots of books on this now grounded is just one of them there's lots of research that says you know things are looking good the um you know we have apps that help us to sort of help people that perhaps don't know how to get outside or don't know which way suits them or just how to go about that there's different ways and different access and we're talking a lot more about accessibility and opening the outdoors to more people um different sort of different groups and so so much like good news and yet still obviously we we're living under this broader umbrella of a climate emergency and things aren't going the right direction and there's massive loss of biodiversity and there's the shifting baseline of us thinking you know oh it's getting better but maybe it's just getting worse and we're getting used to it and so small changes then feel really good oh so I don't know I think as where are we we're just in this really complex ecology of um, improvement and unimprovement and steps forward and s- steps back it seems to me I don't know I'm, I'm really passionate about taking the long view 
Um, I think this is the function of being a geologist at heart. It's something about that longer time view that we can't see yet. And so I'm quite curious. I'm kind of holding this question mark as to where is this going? Like in this post-pandemic world and this hyper-connected but emotionally disconnected, disembodied world, where is this going? Is Are we moving into a better place in our connections? And is that good for the planet? Or is it all falling apart? And I just think it's really going to be hard to tell. And we probably won't be the ones that can. We might get some inklings of that in a couple of decades. But I reckon that the, the answers will really lie probably, you know, <laughs> a long way into the future. And our children, our children's children will be able to see, you know, did we make a mess? Were we still making a massive mess of it? Were we making any improvements? What were we set in motion? What were we setting in motion? Um, so honestly, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> I have no idea either, but I suppose... <laughs> 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 but I suppose I... You should just go for a run. <laughs> 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 Send the dogs out for a walk. It'll be I fine. mean, I suppose it comes back to that resilience of the kind of not knowing and being okay with that and not... I try not to be anxious about it in that sense. And also what helps me is focusing on what's in front of me. How can I be kind to people? How can I make things more accessible? How can I make connections that are the right connections for me? Whereas I think in the past, I was kind of more of a people pleaser and all connections were good. Whereas now I'm like, no, there's certain things that I can do. Um, and I guess that's how mm. I, I deal with it. But I do. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I feel like, I step away from the news a lot more than I used to. But then I also feel guilty about that because it's a bit of a privilege that I can step away from the news because a lot of it doesn't affect me. So I do kind of grapple with that. Mm. And I do try and dip into those, like I used to work in the criminal justice system and I still try and dip into that and, and work in that when I can. So yeah, no, I don't have the answers. No, but I really agree with you. I think that was that would be my um, way of dealing with it. And I am not prone to, I'm trying to think about the things that I do feel anxious about and get anxious about. And, you know, I can start to sort of get a bit like, ah, death, oh God, we're going to die. But, but by and large, I feel, um, I don't know whether hope's the right word, I, or just, I think, you know, we, life persists. Life always persists and is something I've been writing about in weathering just a really small part was about how life always springs from catastrophe and I suppose maybe this circles us back in some ways to resilience and where we started it's like life always finds a way the planet always finds a way and whilst our own time ultimately might be up we're a very short-lived species we haven't been around compared to you know some species have been around with barely any iterations <laughs> for a lot longer and we have managed to sort of wipe a lot of our versions of ourselves out um so I don't know about the future of of humans as we know it now but in a broader sense life will out things will adapt things will evolve life will come from catastrophe because it always does you can remove 90 percent <laughs> it would seem of life on earth um over a geological time scale and and you know that's and then you get mammals so it's there's always um, that spring. There's always new birth. And I trust in that. And I think that, in a way, is my ultimate philosophical safeguard <laughs> against eco-anxiety 
or um, despair. It's that I just fundamentally trust in life and a broader definition of and who there'll be winners and losers in that if we have to put it that way. There'll be things that sort of don't don't make it and things that will and but that's not a reason not to preserve it in the present I think that's it's easy we can end up shirking that responsibility and say oh well just being really nihilistic about it and I don't think we should do that either again it's one of those and and ors it's like a trust in life but I don't think we should be reckless with it and I think we have to live up to our responsibilities and um, you know make some effort to get others and ourselves out of the mess that we have maybe created and surround ourselves with you know I don't know with some sort of sense of the life that we want to create and like you say being in the present and having those good connections and um, trying to just stay on the right side of inspiration rather than despair <laughs> I think. And you mentioned there a new book Weathering what's the, what can you tell us about that? <laughs> weathering yeah so Weathering is a probably a different beast to grounded it's double the length for a star it's not an illustrated volume it's more of a narrative non-fiction and it's a sort of um it's a mix of things on the one hand it's a bit of a travel log through the peak district so it's looking at various geological sites but it's also about therapy and it's a, essentially it's about how we can weather well how we can weather our lives and the things that come down the line um so it's it's like grounded in a way but it's taking that bit further and it's there's a bit more biographical stuff in there and there's a bit more about how I work outdoors with clients and it's really drawing on this the um what I see at least as the uh mirroring of mm, earth building processes and human building processes so a sort of a sense that we're all in this cycle like the rock cycle and we live with fault lines we live with discontinuities um we sort of erode and weather and that's what life will do but also through the weathering this is how we find our most beautiful form in the world and our shape and so we don't have to be afraid of of constantly being rolled and moved and shaped <laughs> By life because this is the lesson of rock it can sort of a rock you know and I'm sure you know you've been up with you live in the peaks the wonderful rock forms that we have here amazing kind of sandstone tours and really beautiful curvaceous sensual solid um substantial rocky beings that sort of overlook <laughs> the peak district like these big elders and I really feel their presence and I really feel that they have a lot to offer us in terms of how to be in the world and I, I'm really interested in this idea of we don't want to be feather like we don't want to like starve ourselves to sort of this ultimate thinness we don't want to sort of be shedding everything we want weight we want heft we want gravity <laughs> like we need to have a bit of bison about us to face the world because it can be really hard and it can be really really hard for some people and not so hard for others but we'll all face hardship and what do we need for that we need gravity and force and an ability to withstand and, and perhaps that resilience um is another word for that we don't want to be like floating away <laughs> 
so it's it's I don't know if that tells you anything but that's the kind of the vibe it's at at the moment it's interesting as you can tell my elevator pitch is not is not pin sharp (laughs) it sounds amazing it sounds like a slice into your life and what I love about your books and your writing I've got a newsletter coming dropped in today as well I think um is that for me they're really abstract and huge topics but you seem to manage to write about them with kind of clarity that I don't think I would be able to that's fantastic oh thank you that's really nice to hear it's always you know when one is riddled with their own anxieties about can I write and can I you know am I saying anything that's worthwhile it's always like this lovely luscious thing to just get these little gems of feedback from people who are like no Mm. this is what you do what this is what I like and I think those we're not always good at giving feedback, are we, to people and um, or to asking for it? <laughs> and so it's really lovely. Thank you. How's your book going? Um, yes, I think it should be. There's a production meeting this afternoon. So <laughs> okay, so it's nearly <laughs> ne- ready. Timing, yeah. <laughs> and I, I suppose just when you said about it being biographical, I mean, my book turned out way more autobiographical graphical than ever and I felt like I put so much of me out there but then actually some of the feedback from the early drafts were you're going to have to go a bit deeper or you're going to have to talk about this person that you've just mentioned. Oh that's interesting. Mm. And I found that really uncomfortable and I I kind of got from your previous chatting about when we were talking about social media and being kind of that I don't know whether it does come under introversion but um, you said that you got some biographical elements in the book like how comfortable were you with that? I, I just I love this this topic because and it's lovely to hear other people that uh, have that feedback because when I wrote the proposal for this they were like okay I can see you're trying really hard to be biographical but we, you still are very mysterious <laughs> and I'd be like what I've told I've told the reader I'm having a cup of tea what should, you know what more do you need and I think there's something that comes from the kind of the therapeutic mindset of like be aware and maybe you see that from your previous career is like, how do I um, like therapy is not, I mean, it is about me. I'm 50% in, in that relationship, but it's not all about me in that kind of, you know, air quotes. So you sort of start to be like, okay, how much of myself am I bringing to this? But also how is it not about me? So it's not for me to be chit chatting. So to write autobiographically, for me feels almost like the the opposite polarity to to therapy. And, And so that has been really hard. And I'm still trying to work that out truthfully. This is why I wrote a newsletter or started a newsletter because I recognized that I'm going to, whilst I'm writing this book, I'm also going to need to um, practice the skills of talking about myself and working out how to do that. (laughs) It's so funny you mentioned that because I was kind of, I mean, I think I was just sort of always in the back of my mind, well, we've not got it all definite, like the book, there's still a chance they might go, actually, we've changed our mind and it's not coming out and I wouldn't be too upset about that but I was like if it if it this is going ahead maybe I should try and practice by putting something a little bit more personal out I think that's it you have to sort of do it step by step so you do frighten the horses and I really I really feel that and I feel it's getting easier with time um but it's still uncomfortable and I again I think there's something about finding your own artfulness and being able to like this is me but also of course there are things I'm not sharing it's not like an expose yeah. 
And I think, you know, just inching towards a kind of um, like this is really honestly me, but it's not the whole of me. So don't assume that it is. And just learning to do that a bit more. But it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to take up that space to use that phrase and to feel, you know, who am I and what's interesting about me? You know, I'm just a hot mess. Like, why would anyone want to know my story? I'm not famous. Hard. Yeah, and I think for me, it kind of comes back to that connection, really, and what connection am I making? And I suppose that some of the topic topics that I have chosen to put in there, such as around childlessness um, and my chronic illness and things, it was kind of I was thinking, well, when I was in those places, it felt really lonely, and so I would have quite liked somebody just talking about it. And also, I think in the past, I like as a lawyer, you want all the answers; it all needs to be wrapped up, and there's quite a lot of in terms of emotions it's just left messy it's not really you know mm-hmm. in any way sort of finished Process. so yeah mm-hmm. and so it's um yeah I think I've just kind of said okay well what could make that connection I will put out but obviously it's not not everything that I put lovely out. and I think that sounds I mean I can't wait to read it and and some of that really chimes with me um because in in weathering I do talk about not having children and I think that particularly is a narrative that no nobody fewer people are talking about I still feel like there's a lot of taboo there and and you know in talking about it or talking about why that might be and that can be really personal and and for me there are person there are very personal sort of layers to that which I'm still sort of teetering around how much do I want to talk about that but there are some things that I have processed and reflected on that I think would be useful for people and you know almost life after not having children and (laughs) and that that can be a choice and and but that also that that brings because for me it has largely been a choice although it's not that simple but you know let's just say it's largely been a choice but that brings certain kind of implications and people make certain judgments on that, I think. And they have their ideas of what kind of person you um, might be. And one one of the most hurtful for me is that, that maybe I'm less of a, a woman or less of a, a, a mature adult in this world because I don't know the love of being like mm-hmm. a, a mother. or And so some of that stuff feels very like, oh, oh do I want to touch that? But oh God, if that helps one other person... <laughs> who has gone through that kind of emotional roller coaster then I think you know I want to talk about these things a bit more really Mm. because some narratives are just utterly absent aren't they just not not seeing them yes which I suppose is one of the reasons why I think well maybe I shouldn't put this out there (laughs) but it sounds Mm. like we're both we're both going to put stuff out there that maybe we're both trying to be brave aren't we (laughs) brave little Because we, I think we believe in connection more than we believe in sort of fear and, and maybe, you know, and we keep circling back, but I'm starting to think that that's really important part of this resilience piece. It's like I can, I love Glennon Doyle's kind of um, we can do hard things vibe. <laughs> um, and I like that. I think, you know, you do stuff in life, you put yourself out there, you get through things, you do, you know, ultras <laughs> you go through stuff and then you that sets you up then to be able to think okay maybe I can do this it's going to be vulnerable um but it might be helpful yes and it might just be that you know it's such a massive thing for me to put this 
tiny piece of personal information out and people just read it don't even think of it as being anything big to put out that gives yeah, me a, a bit, bit of like a beacon for you <laughs> yeah absolutely it's like I'm you know I'm like writing earth-shattering stuff and it's written all over me but actually it might yeah they just skip on over that bit and they'll they'll like the bit that you're like that was not vulnerable that was my package vulnerability that was <laughs> you can read that every week on my instagram yeah exactly <laughs> everyone knows that about me i've got no tenderness about that <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for that book. And we're running out of time. But there was also some writing course that I saw pop up, which I'm really interested in that. Um, if you if you got time to just briefly mention that. Yeah, but the new one that I was talking about today. Mm. Yeah, so this is the embodied um, mentoring writing group, and I'm calling it writing from the inner grounds. And so this is yeah, we you said about asked about grounded, and I talked about this kind of meteor landing popped up hadn't you know hadn't been dreaming of it for years and years but this is something that has been is like the bucket list thing when I started writing I mean we all started writing a very long time ago but when I started to realize I love creative writing um and I went to evening classes after I finished my PhD because I was sort of like I need some creative output I need to rejoin the world in some meaningful way and stop looking down a a microscope and I just went to evening classes and just fell in love with writing and you know I think I can trace it back to then of thinking one day I want to write books or one day imagine then if I wrote books and I could like run a writing group for other people and so that has been like circling for 15 years really of like wouldn't that be great and then it's not relevant for some years and so just putting this together feels really big and it's it's the right time I think because the approach is to I really want to help people write from their bodies more and not write so much from their heads I mean we all write from that kind of the words that come out of our heads but what if we write from our spine or from our legs or from our feet and if we embody those parts what would what would the rest of our body have to say about what matters to us and just tapping into the embodied barriers we face, the obstacles, the shame, the feeling of who am I, you know, and that the, these feelings, they live in the body. So I really want to help people move through the obstacles towards becoming a writer by working with their bodies a lot more. So it's all about that. And then we're going to go on a field trip. We're going to go to the peaks. So we're going to go and, like write with rocks. And I'm just... Oh, I'm so beside myself about it. <laughs> <laughs> Do I need a parent or guardian consent for that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. I've got to think about how that's going to work. Um, oh, that sounds Yeah, brilliant. really, really excited. Yeah, so it's going to be, it's kind of available now to book onto, but that will be um, beginning at the end of March and going through to July. And then hopefully if it works... And it's not one of those ideas that fall flat and what a terrible horror this was. Then I'll be opening up a win- autumn winter cohort. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. I know it's going to be a success and I am going to be efficient enough to put the podcast out before it starts. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike previous. <laughs> so you. I will put all the links to that. And so that we can have a look at your non-perfect life on Instagram. They'll all be in the <laughs> yeah, show my shabby life that I tried to make look perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't post for a few weeks I'll give you a nudge <laughs> yeah, exactly I'll just send yeah yeah dog photos all the way are good at bringing people back <laughs> uh Ruth thank you so much for taking the time today oh. and having this conversation I feel like thank we covered you. a lot more than resilience <laughs> 
Yeah, but yeah, we did, didn't we? Although somehow maybe it's all about it's all, resilience. It's all that. <laughs> I think that's it. I think actually I'm going to say resilience is basically weathering and like go read the book in 2024. <laughs> plus, plus with a bit of grounding, surely. <laughs> yeah, with a bit of grounding because it's book birthday. So. <laughs> um, yeah, it's all on that theme, actually. It's, it all comes back to that. Brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank <Bye-bye>. you. <laughs> See you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Resilience Rising podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do help people find us by hitting subscribe, leaving a review or sharing us with others. Thank you so much and see you next time on the Resilience Rising podcast.